Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. I am joined right now by Dallin Weeks of I Don't Know How But They Found Me. Hello, Dallin. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. So happy you were able to take the time to talk to us tonight. We saw firsthand and up close at our mini session last year with you what a huge impact your music has on listeners. And you're no stranger to the scene, but does that feeling ever get kind of old when a fan is brought to tears by your music or waits outside for hours to see you perform? Oh, it never does. That's really why we do it, um, you know, to be able to, you know, create something and have somebody else respond to it uh, is, is is really the reason why. Um, you know, I, I feel like whenever we uh, make music or make art, you know, we're trying to please ourselves first. And if anybody else happens to enjoy it, too, that's just an incredible bonus that we get to enjoy. Do you think that it's hurt and like self-esteem or ego or anything to not have that without, you know, 2020, no contact, like no shows, no meet and greets, no anything, or was it a little bit more natural, like a reset for you? I mean, it, it's definitely been nice to be home with my family, but uh, when when it comes to performing, it, it's definitely something I miss and, and ego aside, I, I try my best to, to leave uh, ego at the door whenever we perform, but it, it's more uh, like a moment of escapism for me, I think, almost like therapy. You know, that moment on stage, everything disappears, all of your problems and things that you're stressed out about, and you get to just exist in a room full of people in a single moment mm-hmm. and just be where you are. And I, I really, I, I miss that. We saw you perform at the Majestic after our mini session last year, and the way you are part of the audience, it's not like, you know, you're controlling or anything. It's more like you guys are all in this together, all singing along and having a great time. You're really great to watch. Well, thank you. I, I mean, that's that's what uh, shows have always been for me, even as a fan going to see bands that I love. It's you know, you're you're in a room full of two, three hundred people that you might not share anything in common with them outside of those doors. But for that hour or so that you're in there, there's one thing that you all share in common. And and to to be that thing that's on stage that everyone is, you know, sharing is is pretty special. I almost think about it like in a, in a sacred way, actually. So it's not really a feeling of like being above anybody. It's like, we're all in this together. We're all in this room together and we're going to just exist here together for an hour and a half or however long it may be. And just forget about everything else for a minute. Do you remember the last band you saw before everything shut down? Oh man. I, uh, the, the first one that came to mind when you said that is a, a band that we toured with for a while called Superette. This was after our tour was done. I think they came through Salt Lake City on a, on their own tour, and I went out to see them just because I, I love them so much. They're so fantastic. If anybody out there is listening to this and likes good music, then check out Superette. They're amazing. <laughs> In my research, I saw that you found some of your CDs in storage, and you said that just happens that you've always been a fan of really great music. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> so weird. You've been uh, almost every position there is to be in a band. Can you play the drums? Uh, you know, that's one of the two things that I wish I could do is drums and piano. Uh, you know, my, my I would I wish I would have listened to my mom when I was a kid and taken <laughs> piano lessons. 
and then also wish I would have sat down on the on the drum kit. But but music was something that I wasn't really ever, uh, you know, at least like rock music and playing guitar, which is what I wanted to. I wasn't really allowed to pursue that interest, so I didn't get into playing guitar until I was like 15 or 16. And and by the time I was that old, I I went out to a pawn shop and spent all my money that I had saved up on a guitar, and and that was my focus. Uh, guitar and bass, but I, I wish I would have picked up some drumsticks and, and learned how to do that. I, I can play one beat on a kit, but that's about <laughs> it. What's your favorite instrument to play? Oh, it's the bass guitar, 100%. I, I think it's way too underrated. <laughs> it's uh, it's big and sexy, and I just I love it. And speaking of drums, you and Ryan have done multiple projects together. How did you find him? Um, we've been friends for over a decade. Uh, years and years ago, we had a band together called the Brobecks that we did uh, for a while, and um, so so that's how we became acquainted. He he played drums for me back then, but as you know, time progressed and, and life takes you on different paths. We always stayed in contact, and anytime I made a a demo or something, he was always the guy that I called because he's just at the drop of the hat, he's ready to to play. He's he's such a pro. I love having him around. So. That's, that's why uh, I wanted him to do this with me. Have you guys been able to spend time together during quarantine? Like, are you guys still going to the studio together, or have you tried to stay apart? It's tough because he's still in L.A. and I'm in Salt Lake City, but we get together whenever we you know, need to create something, um, whether it's a music video or, or song or, or whatever. But in the meantime, we pass demos back and forth over the email and you know, I just called it the email like I'm a 60-year-old man. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, you brought up your music videos. Your daughter makes an appearance in one of the new ones? Yeah. Yeah, she's been asking for a while to, to be in a video. And, uh, you, you know, being able to, to do that safely has been the concern. But we finally got a, a chance to safely make a video here at home in, in Salt Lake City. So, uh Mom and Dad gave her the the green light to come make a cameo, and she's such a pro too. She she absolutely killed it. You have other children, another yeah, yeah. I've got a twelve year old girl and a ten year old boy. So is your son he's, waiting he's for less, his chance? He's less interested in in what Dad has to do. He's he's way more unimpressed. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the new album. Razmataz is out now. Uh, where yeah. did that album title come from? It came from this old uh, children's TV show that I would watch in elementary school during uh, the day that we would learn about music. It was this Canadian-produced uh, public TV show called The Music Machine. Okay. And you know, the teacher would wheel in the giant TV that was strapped to a cart and would pop in this VHS tape. And uh, the host would always begin every show by asking this giant computer, The Music Machine, to play as some razzmatazz. <laughs> and so I never forgot that show. I never forgot that word. And so it, it kept, you know, popping up as we were making the record. So when we ended up making the title track, I felt like, you know, that that's that's got to be the title. It's just too great. Is that also where the 80s theme came from? I mean, not quite. That's, you know, the 80s stuff is, is really more just aesthetically based, not so much... Uh, Musically, I think we're not really interested in being like revivalists or anything, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, creating the experience of what it was like for us to discover music when we were younger is where a lot of those aesthetics come from. 
because I think now we exist in a world where you're constantly being sold stuff. You know, follow us here, subscribe to this, don't forget to like, and you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff that you're supposed to do. We wanted to just throw all that out the window and and invite people to to come and find us. You know, if you want to, rather than just try to sell somebody something. Do you think that synth is going to make a comeback? Oh, synthesizers? I don't know that they've ever really gone away. Um, since the 70s, I mean, people use them. They're, they're in just about every song that you can think of, some more heavily than others. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's another thing, too. Is as much as we use them, I don't really consider us to be like a synth-pop band or anything. It's yeah. more just another, another tool in, in the wheelhouse, just like a guitar or a bass or anything else. We noticed after Leave Me Alone came out, there was a couple other bands who had singles, like Zimini and, and some other ones that went with like a Miami Vice, very 80s kind of feel. And it was like, nice. well, I don't know how already has that. So, <laughs> Well, uh, to, to be fair, I don't think we, we've invented the wheel with, with that. <laughs> uh, what is Telex? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's more of a metaphor than anything else. Uh, you know, we, we sort of cultivated like a, a fictional storyline that go mm-hmm. along with our releases. And it's just sort of this extra layer of entertainment for anyone who cares to dive into it. Um, anyone who doesn't can still, you know, just like listen to the songs and they can exist in their own sphere. But uh, things like, like Telex Service is more like a metaphor for things like the, the music industry and the state of it and the things that you're supposed to do and uh, without giving too much away, I think that's the safe answer. Yeah. Um, Leave Me Alone is doing very well on the charts and streaming. How much of an indicator to success is that for you? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I I never expected the, the kind of music that I make to ever appear on any kind of chart or to ever be on the radio because uh, by by and large, the kind of music that I like isn't. Uh, featured on the radio a lot so uh, to to be able to make the kind of music that I enjoy and have people respond to it and have it uh, ha- have it have it be out there in a way that people are reacting to it, it is incredible to me like I'm really really grateful for it in a lot of our interviews um, we've kind of heard something very similar where there's a lot of artists who say the more I, I don't care what other people think the better it seems to do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really, I think, the thing that uh, a lot of uh, artists uh, tend to forget is it, art is something that isn't meant to be manufactured and sold like uh, Coke or Pepsi or something. You know, it's supposed to be something that's personal. So, and you're supposed to please yourself first, you know, make the make your art for you and not for anyone else. Don't chase trends and don't try to chase down making a hit and, and, uh, you know, either lightning is going to strike or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then at the very least you've made something that you love. Do you feel like lightning has struck multiple times for you? I feel like I've, I've won. I'm that guy that, that won the lottery twice. You know, the, the chances are of something like that happening, you know, uh, very, very small, but, uh, I definitely feel that like that guy who's who's had a winning ticket more than once in his life. When it definitely comes with a lot of hard work. Yeah, I, I mean, success in this business is a, is a combination, I think, of, of luck and hard work. 
I, I think how how talented you may be has very little to do with it, um, for for better or for worse. I mean, I mean, if you are talented, then that's wonderful. You know, hats off to you. But uh, you know, success in this business, everybody needs that same amount of luck. And then, so I feel like we're incredible lucky to be where we're at. How difficult has it been for you to do all of this business and art and everything, and have a family at the same time? Oh, in- incredibly difficult. Uh, to be able to, you know, do both of those things and, and be your own boss, having your own band and 100% creative control with, with people trying to work for you, trying to nail down your vision is uh, at the same time, you know, you get a lawn to mow and kids to get to school and dentists and all that stuff. It's incredibly, incredibly difficult. But in my experience, uh, things that are easy usually aren't very worth it. <laughs> so it's a, it's a challenge that I'm happy to have. Do you make breakfast for your kids? I do. I did today. What'd you make? Uh, I made I made some eggs. Nice. Do you think that's but, uh, surprising? I only to know people? how to do that because my my wife taught me. It, it took a minute took a minute to learn how to do it the right way. <laughs> Every, everyone has a different order in this house, so I've I've had to. I'm still I'm still learning. Well, props to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> when I was setting up this interview, and I asked if we could do it more old school, just over the phone instead of on Zoom or Instagram. I was told that you might appreciate it even more. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. I really do. I don't have to, you know, get cleaned up and shave and and all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of wondering because they also told me that you've had to get new, like a new phone and everything to handle all of the IG live requests. Yeah, because I'm basically like a content creator now, like a, what, what do you, you know, the, the Twitch streamers that have all this equipment and mm-hmm. and things like that. There's, there's been this really wide learning curve for me to, to learn how to do all this stuff because I, I'm a musician, you know, I, n- I never wanted to be a content creator. But the, uh, the state of the world that we're in right now, it's kind of a necessary evil. So interviews over the phone are, are greatly appreciated. I laughed out loud when I saw your Twitter and it said that you were trying to test streaming IG Live from your desktop if you see yeah. me go live, it's for that. Don't mock me. This is for you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not my favorite thing in the world because it's so there's so much to it. Like to be able to, uh, you know, stream stream something live and have like the sound be top quality. You got to have all this equipment and and things like that. So I'm trying to get it all integrated, but I'm here by myself trying to figure this stuff out, and it's it's not really my wheelhouse, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of us are trying to get used to that. If COVID didn't exist, it's done at midnight tonight, where would you go tomorrow? Velour in Provo. It's uh, one of my favorite venues in Utah. I would uh, put on a show tomorrow. It's it's not the biggest venue in the world. I think the cap is like two or 300 people, but I would do it tomorrow. I would, I would tell Ryan to hop in his car and, and drive up to, to Utah and let's play a show. If you were to plan your own tour, would that be your first venue or your last one? Um, you know what? I would probably make that one last. I would make the first one Kilby Court in Salt Lake City. That's my other favorite. Oh, so do a big circle all around the country. Oh, yeah. All right. That was all I had for you. Do you have anything else you'd like to tell us about Razzmatazz? Um, I just hope that uh, people enjoy it, and I appreciate you giving me the chance to talk to you about it. It's, it's really, real. I can't stress enough how how much we appreciate what y'all do. 
Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that there's been some very hefty schedules and all the phone calls and all that. Happy to do it, though. Well, thank you, Dallin. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot.